Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Good morning. I <laughs> uh, see this is just counting up. The last one counted down. <laughs> Daryl owes me 10 minutes because, boy, that last one, I was lickety split. I had to get through that sermon, I'm telling you. <laughs> but anyway, you, it's good to be amongst you all. Hallelujah. Is God not amazing? We had such fun this morning. Uh, I got a message from John to say, have fun. And I replied, already have. (laughs) Yeah, we really had great fun this morning. It's so wonderful to be here. I am uh, privileged, and I'm not sure if John is watching, but if he is, uh, I want to thank him and Daryl and the team for the honor of sharing with you. Thank you for trusting me with your people. Because that really matters. I'm so, so, so grateful. A few things I'd like to do. I did something this morning. I wonder if you guys could do a better job than the crowd this morning. Do you think you could? By faith. Come on, by faith. Yeah. Can you do a better job than the crowd this morning? Okay, I want you to imagine that the Springboks in this tight. Yeah, these Springboks didn't help me, eh? Like one point for three weeks. You can't do that, man, eh? You're not allowed to do that. Anyway, they on the edge. They're, about to, they, they, they're holding the line and they score a try. I want you to give a shout like that. Cheering, shouting. Come on, let's hear it. Yes. All right, that was for you. Okay. That was for you. I wanted to say from those of us that travel far, and those of us that are year on year, we come and sit under the ministry of this amazing place and you amazing people. I wanted to say thank you. You just about gave yourself a good cheer there. If you didn't shout loudly, well, that's your fault. Yeah, you reap what you sow, you see? So if you went, boo, well, that's what you can have. But if you bellowed, that's yours. But we are grateful. And I do. I wanted to thank Daryl and the team. What a great time we had at this last. Who had a good time at the conference? Awesome. Loved it. Loved it. Um, The other thing that I really need to mention is that I'm sitting here today. And here in front of me are my two old friends. Yeah. It's so good to see Chris and Glenda back from China. It's so good to see them back in the house. They were away for such a long time. There's a whole big chunk of you that don't know who the heck they are. But that doesn't matter. There's an older generation that does, and we value and love you too. So good to see you. Chris, uh, my hat is doffed at the way you've come back to serve in this church. I am astounded at your grace um, to be able to serve the way you do. I trust that over time, some of the younger generation will watch and see uh, what it looks like to come in low and serve again. 
So I'm blessed to have you guys here. Uh, I cut my teeth in worship with Auntie Glenda. We called her Auntie Glenda because we were all scared stiff of her. Uh, there's still a measure of fear there. But uh, I cut my teeth in worship with Auntie Glenda. I loved worshiping with Glenda in Cathcart. Uh, I also happened to worship with her mother-in-law, bless her soul. She's going to be with Jesus now. Auntie Pam used to do Onward Christian Soldiers across the keyboard. Do you remember that? Hey? It was fast, and it was rum tum tum across there, and, and then you're trying to worship with her, and you are in the flow, and you think that worship should be going on for another 10 minutes, and the next minute Auntie Pam will go, ding, 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 and then suddenly it's dead silent. <laughs> now you're the worship leader, by the way. She's playing the keyboard over there. So I turn and look at it. I turn and look at Auntie Pam. Not only Auntie Pam. That's Chris's mom. She looks at me and she goes, <laughs> "That's how I cut my teeth in worship." How do you know it's over? Well, when Auntie Pam goes, <laughs> clearly you weren't quite in the place you thought you were with Jesus at that point in time. Yeah. So Daryl, I went back into the room. I put the cassette in. And I press rewind. There's only a few of you that know what I'm talking about here. The rest of you haven't got a clue what a cassette is. You don't know what an HP pencil is for. An HP pencil is to tighten the cassette tape. Don't laugh. You don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Only a few of you know. You tighten that thing. Then you press rewind. It's going backwards. You remember that? Well, I'm afraid D... That bit of the tape is stretched, and the message is not going to come out the same. So I thought, well, let me rather put another cassette in, if that's okay. I'm told the only other guy who's preached two different sermons on a Sunday morning is David Hogan. Me and David Hogan, eh? We Titus ticks the two of us. <laughs> me and David. So I really did. The Lord gave me two messages for today that I believe I need to share. Uh, I loved sharing the one this morning about seeing the church come out of the ashes, that it's time for this giant to rise because it matters for a world out there. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. But the other thing that is pressing on my heart, uh, it's something that's there. I remember uh, uh, a new friend of mine once told me that you have a life message. I don't know if he remembers that. Do you? I think so. But it presses strongly on my heart. Uh, I'm going to read from Malachi 4. And this is what it says. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. I've got to be honest with you. Man, I can't wait for that day. Hey? There is something inside that just longs for those who would continually and arrogantly resist and turn their hearts away from Jesus. For behold, that day is coming when those arrogant and all even do doers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. So that it will leave them neither root nor branch. In other words, there is a day coming where those who will put perpetually and continually resist Jesus and refuse to honor God will eventually find out what that looks like. 
We don't want one to be lost. But there is a day coming when those who purposefully resist him will be brought low. But for you who fear the name of the Lord, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that amazing? Folks, there is a day coming. I want you to say after me. There's a day coming. Say it again. There's a day coming. There is a day coming. When Jesus comes back again, where it will be a day of judgment. We know that. But it will be judgment. For some, it will be absolute. It will, it will be the worst day of their lives, the worst day of eternity. And for others, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Me, I'm looking forward to that day. But here's an amazing thing. Malachi writing at the end of the Old Testament, he says, But remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. How often does it happen when Jesus, even when he was talking at the end of of, um, Matthew, he's telling us, giving us this great commission we all know about, and he says this thing, teach him how to obey everything that I have commanded. Do you know what, folks? Sometimes we forget that the law was perfect, it was pure, and it was beautiful. We seem to think that because there is a new covenant, that that was beautiful and that that was perfect and that that was pure has been just thrown asunder, but it's not true. The only scriptures that Jesus had when he walked on this earth were those scriptures. The only ones that he referred to were those ones. When the disciples were writing about the word of God being, they would never, never fade away. Not a dot or a crossing of a T would go. What scriptures were they talking about? They were talking about that beautiful Old Testament. We can't throw it away, people. We can't discard it like it means nothing. The only thing is that, that the cross of Jesus has enabled us to walk in the good of that. Why? Because he is the righteousness that is in my wings. Amen. But we can't throw that thing away. So just there, here Malachi says it, just remember the things. Remember the statutes. Remember the things that God gave Moses. Jesus says the same things. Teach them how to obey, how to remember all the things that I said. That's just an aside. Because here's where I want to come to. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. I want to tell you, family, if we all are saying there is a day, just say that again, there is a day. But before that day, before that day, the spirit of Elijah is going to come. We all know the story as being he was John the baptizer, and he came preparing the way of the Lord. Even Jesus said it. Amen? 
Before Jesus came first time, John the baptizer roamed on this earth and he had the spirit of Elijah and he was doing, he was preparing the way of the Lord. But I want to suggest to you today that we are in a time, we are in an era where that same spirit is rising up because we are a generation that is preparing the way of the Lord's second coming. Can you say amen? amen. I hope you believe that. That was a half-hearted, piffly little, amen. Do you believe it? We're in an amazing generation, people. And this is what he says. And he will turn the hearts of estranged fathers to their rebellious children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Do you know what estranged means? No longer close or affectionate to somebody. That is what Uncle Google says. You know Uncle Google? I know him, that chap, I use him often. No longer close or affectionate to someone. Alienated, estranged, separated. I've discovered something in this world. This is one of the most telling things on the planet is the hearts of the children have been separated from the fathers and the fathers to the children. I would like to suggest to you, suggest to you, it's probably the single biggest thing that is causing such pain and heartache on the planet. The reason why we have a generation of young people that are utterly, utterly lost. You know what the beautiful thing is about the lost? They can be found. Well, at least a few of you want to find them. They can be found. That's the beautiful thing. But family, I'm suggesting to you that one of the biggest scourges on the planet is the fact that the hearts of the fathers and their children are estranged. The reason that they are rebellious is because they haven't got dads in their life. We are in an era now where we're going to walk in a time where you're going to find spiritual fathers rising up and discipling and walking with and caring for and mentoring sons and daughters, both sons and daughters, both sons and daughters. So ladies, today, this is not about you. Is that okay? I want to talk to the men today. Because I want to tell you there's been an onslaught on your lives since the late 40s and the early 50s. Something shifted in the last generation or, the, or, the, or that century where I, I don't know how many million. Somebody might have the stats of how many million men died in the 1900s. They were slaughtered between 1918 and 1945. My figures are 37 million. We're in the first war, 80 million in the second war, 24 million in the Chinese Civil War, 100 million people died under communism. You want to tell me that your enemy doesn't know that we're about to come into a time when one of his mandates is to undermine and take out at the feet this thing of having great 
men, fathers in our communities. That's the problem. You listen to the commentators, even talking about America today, they'll tell you our biggest problem is that we have got a fatherless generation. Our biggest problem. Shah family, I need to say this. Many of you have heard me say it again and again and again. We're killing our children. I think the rate is something like 40 to 50 million deaths a year, 125,000 a day. I'm not sure that is true, but that's a figure I got. It doesn't sound right, but that doesn't matter. It's a lot. We're taking a lot out. But why do fathers matter in the time that we're living in now? Why does this scripture matter? Why does Malachi at the end say there is coming a time when the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children, not the sons? A lot of people like to say, well, the hearts of fathers will be turned to the sons. No, to the children. Do you know who did that best? The one who hung on the cross. Apparently that there is a picture of redemption. I want to tell you that Jesus hung on the cross in order to bring us back into a sweet relationship with our Father. The only way to the Father is through the Son. Only way. He came. He lived. He died. He was resurrected. He ascended so that you could have a relationship with the Father. Through the Son. By the Spirit. How's that going? How's that going? How's your relationship with your heavenly father? Because you know, he is astounding. And yet some of our deepest pain comes from the fact that we've got daddy issues. We've just been down to the Eastern Cape now where we had the East Coast relating leaders. There were about 30 men in the room and somehow we got onto this. And we started to talk about the relationships between fathers and these men that were there. And you know, the one colored guy, um, Leon Kivit. Yes, that's a beautiful colored name, Kivit. Leon Kivit. He says, Rob, can I share a testimony? And I, yeah, I didn't know where he was going. I said, sure. He said, I had a, I had an, an estranged relationship with my father. He said, and I went back to my, to my mom because this thing was painful, man. And he said, I started to find out from my mom where my dad came from. And then he looks at them and he said, men, you need to forgive your dads because it wasn't all their fault. I tell you, it cracked something so wide open in that room. Wide open. And family, I would suggest to you today that some of you, even now, have hidden so deep the stuff with your dad. The hurt and the pain. But remember this, it wasn't all their fault. 
a whole lot of stuff that they did, the way they behaved, well, why? It, well, well, that was how their fathers were to them. And that was how the generation before that was. And we hoped, we longed for these perfect dads. And yet it wasn't all their fault. What is the problem? Why am I sharing that with you? Well, there comes a time where these relationships have to be restored. The relationship of what? Where there is close affection again. So Chris and Linda will know I had a good dad. You knew Ennis and he was a good dad. Um, loved being with my dad. We went through life. We, it ended well. Everything was good. I would have been considered one of the blessed ones. Had a wonderful father, a godly man all of his life. And uh, he died that way. Never out of kilter. I don't think, I, I, I don't ever remember seeing him out of order in any way. I never saw him drunk. I never saw him have a bad word with my mom. So this was very strange because my friend Graham Arthur said to me when we went over to Bethel, he said, I booked you in for a sozo. And of course, me being the country chap that I am, a sozo. What the heck's a sozo anyway? You drink it. Sorry? Freedom encounters. That's what they called in this house. Okay? So let's use this house's name so that you know. So he said, I booked you in for a freedom encounter. I'm free, boy. I don't need no freedom encounter, me. What do you mean? He said, well, I booked you in. I said, well, I hope you're paying. I'm not paying that $100 that they go in there. He said, no, I paid for you, Rob. You go. So I went in there. Me, what do I need freedom encounters for? Do you know what ugly crying looks like? You know what ugly crying looks like. You're very glad that the only other guy in the room was that chap. Because it was dreadful. The Afrikaners say snort in trana. It was everywhere. You know what the issue was, Stevie Wonder? My daddy. My good dad. I had a good dad. And he was my issue. I didn't ever think that I was good enough. I didn't think that I cut it enough for him. And I carried that hurt inside without even realizing it. I said to him, but I need a freedom encounter. You're going to need a new microphone, but that's okay. Hey. You're going to need that. <laughs> but it was my dad. And you know what the other pain was? I didn't only have to, I had to ask for forgiveness because of how I treated him. I had to say sorry. It did something for me. In my own walk with Jesus. Something of bringing me into such a place of just confidence. I know my family's watching. Where's that camera? They're watching me today. They all said, ah, oh, Dad, we're going to watch you on live streaming. And I'm going, oh, blimey. Because they're going to listen to what I'm going to say to you today. 
But I had to deal with a whole lot of stuff, just like those men. Guys, we had men stand up there, these big strapping Kosa men who don't cry. These Kosa men were standing there with tears, some of them on their faces weeping because of the pain with their fathers. You have to come to a place where you forgive. You ask for forgiveness and you forgive so that your relationship is whole again. You see, family, we're in a time now where everything is trying to take out this thing called the man. They die younger than women. They're two times more likely to be alcoholics. They're three times more likely to be addicted, men. I want to tell you why men are under attack. The enemy knows that if he takes out the man, he takes out the family. Amen? If he takes out the family, he takes out the nation. Amen? He knows what he's doing. We think that this is something that's just evolved. No, this is an end-time strategy of one who seems to know better than we do what's coming on the clouds. Telling you. Two times more likely to die of a drug overdose. 77% of all suicides are male. And they've increased by over 40% in the last 20 years. 90% of all people in prisons are male. What is going on? Two in five children in this country today live with single parents. And I promise you that 99% of them are mom. Mom can't find it inside of herself to let go of that one. But Utad, sugar. He's just gone off the planet. He has a dreadful one. Adult males are more likely to live with their parents. That's because they never grow up. There are more girls than boys finishing school. There are more girls going to high school. The majority of dis discipline cases are boys. One in five boys are diagnosed with ADHD as opposed to one in 11 in girls. Chaps, these are the stats. I'm not just giving you. This is statistically. Most of them are medicated and most of them drop out as failures. And you just can keep going. There is an attack against manhood. And I'm not having the man-woman debate here today. It's not what I'm doing here. I'm talking to the men and saying, you know what? When the scripture was written that said, the hearts of the fathers would be restored to the children and the children to the fathers. It looked like something. You see, fathers have an incredible influence. It's an amazing thing. I watched my children grow up. And uh, my son always had a connection with me. It's, it's how it is, boys with boys. Um, I had to watch him because at one point in time, he started to get very stroppy with his mother. Hey, that's what they do. They get testosterone and they start thinking they can. I had to say to him one day, hey, that's my wife, not yours, eh? Mine. Not your wife, my wife. 
But here's the beautiful thing. Even the girls. Even the girls. And I know for the moms it's quite devastating because there's a chunk of time that they, those girls turn their faces and they look at their papa. probably got my kids watching don't worry moms they come back they do with a flourish they suddenly discover that yeah the mom is this the most wonderful thing around but you know that it is right in God that those young girls turn and look at their dads you see, they're looking for an example. They're looking. So what is it? What does it look like to have a father? Heavenly father? And here I'm saying to you men, what example are we being to our children and to the generation? That, Please, I'm not trying to knock you down or whatever. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm so grateful that in the midst of my pain with my dad, he was a godly man. I had a good example of what it looks like when a dad is godly. He was always my father. He has an amazing thing. I was never his buddy. Never. He was always my dad. I, we laughed together. We fished together. We farmed together. We did a whole heap of stuff together, but he was always my dad. Never my buddy. You see, some of us look at Heavenly Father like his buddy. He's never your buddy. He will always be the one who lives in unapproachable light. The astounding thing about him, though, is that that father so loved the world that he gave your older brother, who is also your king, who is also your Lord, who is also your savior, that one gave that one so that you might be restored to him. How beautiful is that? This one who will always be heavenly father, holy one, and yet I can tangibly feel his love. Day in and day out. When I've really messed up. Really messed up. Who's there? Who do I feel? The Father through the Son. I'm sure I've shared this testimony with you. I'll share it again. I said at the last service, there's so many new faces here. At Breakthrough, I can preach the same sermon. You haven't heard it, so it's fine. But the Lord taught me two things through my kids. More, plenty more actually. But these were two that I remember specifically. One day, that story of Jordan, I'm sure I've told you, when my son walked in. And the Spirit said to me, do you love this boy? He was my firstborn, man. I was overwhelmed. I said, Lord, you know I love him. And then the question, will he mess up today? Glenda, would Jordan mess up in any given day? 
Do you remember him? Yes, Lord. He is going to mess up badly today. That was the nature of that wonderful wild thing called Geordie. Then he, the Spirit says to me, do you love him any less? He's going to mess up today. Do you love him any less? And then, Luan, the kicker, why won't you let me love you the same way? Why won't you let me love you the same way? Because that's what good dads look like. Good dads look like that. My daughter taught me, and littlest one taught me, it wakes up every morning without a, without a blink of an eye. She knows that it's all there. If I throw the fridge open, there's going to be food. That was Emily. Where's it? Where's it food, Ma? Opens a cupboard. Close. Why? Because we had provided for her. Why won't we let Heavenly Father do the same for us? Did she have to pay for one thing? No. Forgive me, Emma, I know you're watching. She's still not paying for anything. I love you, baby. She's so free and easy with what her father gives her. She wears it three times. I'm tired of this. She starts giving her clothes away. Have you ever seen them? They pick them up in black bags. What's that? No, I'm tired of those clothes. No, love, you don't get to get tired of your clothes. You just wear them a little longer. No, Dad, I'll never wear them again. And then just hands them out. How many of you hand out Papa's gifts freely? Do you see why we need to restore this true and pure and honest relationship with the Father? So there are a few things that godly fathers do. Ah, oh, still got time, man. I love the second service, D. The first one, I broke into a sweat trying to finish. Yeah. I'm actually quite proud of myself. I did well, eh? What is it that FMI thinks that I'm one of the longest preachers in the whole family? <laughs> you guys have got John Crumpton here. What are you talking to me for? <laughs> no, Robbie Wardle, he's the longest preacher in FMI. That's my reputation. Good heaven. Here's what godly fathers do. And men, I'm asking you to do this. Start to lead and love your family. Lead. I'll say it again. Lead. Lead them. They need you to lead them. Lead them. Lead them to church. Lead them to Jesus. Lead them to honor. Lead them. How many of us were brought to churches by our mothers? How tragic is that? When it's meant to be our fathers. They'd get up every morning and say, that's where we're going. My father took me to church. Bless his soul every Sunday. Without fail. 
rain, hail, or snow, we went to church. But you know what's amazing? My kids are probably sitting there and say, but you exactly the same. It's a truth. What he taught me, I know. Rain, hail, or snow, I go to the family. I love going. I asked Daryl this morning as we drove through the gates, Dee, do you still love coming here? He said, I sure do. It's never a pain. I love going. Train and discipline them. Men, please, I beg you. Train and discipline them. You know what discipline is? Disciple to greatness. Do it. You disciple them to greatness. Do it. Start doing it. Put godly boundaries in their place. We shouldn't be having churches where literally the youngsters are running around ruling the roost. It's just not the way it's meant to be. I'm sorry for all you millennial parents. You need to understand it was never meant to be that way. Gen Z is still coming. Heaven help us. Hi, Nyan. Those of you that know me know I love your generation. I love that generation. But boy, I worry. I worry about how they raise their kids. I've had a wonderful time at Daryl and Philippus. Why? Because the kids are good. They go to bed when they're meant to. Then we can chat some, hey? Yeah. Educate your children. Fathers, it's your responsibility to make sure your children are educated, both in the ways of the world and in the ways of the kingdom. Amen? Do not leave it to mama. Phew. I know I fell short, kids. Forgive me. I did. There was a whole bunch of stuff I never did. I've learned to experience. I'm not perfect in this thing. Provide for your family, men. Provide for them. That means you work. You work. In the day and age we're living in, not always do you earn the greatest salary because sometimes our wives in the world that we live in will earn more than we do. But that doesn't mean you stop working. Amen? Oh, I'm in a, a, a season of, of transition. Now find a job, you lazy bum. Just find some work and work. Your season of transition is two weeks. Because your children have got to eat you. We are in a car. That's good, Kosa. You're just lazy. Just work. You, I love it, Daryl. I'm at an age where I don't care anymore. <laughs> I just don't care. Please be offended. I ask you to be offended, you men. Just work, you man. Don't you love it? Ooh, no, that job is below me. Really? No, that job, it, it, it doesn't, I, it's not good enough for me. Well, then you might just have no job. Work. My family went over to Australia 
they found out that the grass is not always greener on the other side there. But my brother-in-law pumped petrol. It's an honorable job, people. Do you know that? I hope you treat those people with respect. If you go to America, you've got to pump your own petrol. That was quite an adaption for this farmer boy. When you get out the car and, hey, where are you going, man? Come, he's a... And then, then, sorry that I speak in Corsa, but that's normally who I find at the petrol pump. Because the white boy, he didn't like to work at the petrol pump. Yeah. How many white boys have you seen at the petrol pump, Steve? Not many. It's an honorable job, people. It's work. That's what it is. I'm trying to provide for my family. Who, do, you, do you pay the car guard? I hope you do. I hope you do. He's trying. He's trying. And so, hold on, pay. Pay. Be a role model. Be a role model. One of the greatest blessings for my own life is my son, who says to me, <laughs> you're my hero, Dad. I've got quite a bunch of spiritual sons as well, and the other day one of them said to me, Rob, do you ever say goodbye to Jordan without saying I love you, boy? And I hadn't thought about it, but no. How many of your fathers said to you again and again every single day, I love you, boy. I really love you. I wonder how many. And you will know that with Jordan, that's about 12 times a day because that's how often he phones me. He's making sure he gets the full value of I love you, boy. But guess what? He never says goodbye without saying I love you, Dad. Family, I'm not a hero. I'm not. I just did the thing that God asked us to do. It's not hard to do. To be a good mom and dad is not a hard thing to do. But it will take sacrifice. It will take time out. It will require you to give up your life. Never give up on your kids. Never give up on your children. You are the purveyor of hope. You are the one who is able to keep encouraging, keep lifting, keep telling them how amazing they are. You are incredibly biased, so just do it anyway. You think they're wonderful, even though other people are thinking, Woo. Hey, he can't see their bad spots. No, of course I can see their weaknesses. But guess what? They can see mine. <laughs> I used to love that young, that Emily used to sit at the back of the church and I'd preach some pertinent point. 
And then Achiya look at me like a roll of eyes. <laughs> like she waves her finger like a rolls eyes and says, yeah, sure, they need to come and live in our house, Dad. I know who you are. My friend Patrick said, I said, how do you raise your children? He said, pray for them. Pray in the spirit for your children a half an hour a day. I know some of you are sitting here and saying, Rob, we've heard you preach this again. Will you never listen the last time? Family, this is the season where the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the children to the fathers. And I've come into this time in my life now where suddenly I'm discovering that I've got a whole lot of spiritual sons too. You're such a privilege, Chris. I know, you know, you told me one story I remember on the, we Skyped or something. What did, I don't know what they called that thing. We looked at each other over the teeth, I think, <laughs> that thing. We could see each other. You guys have no grit, you know that. Man, we used to still light a 6-1 light lighting plant to get electricity. That's how we got electricity in our day. You have no grid. Nowadays, you just look at each other, and they, one's in China, and the other one's in South Africa, and he's telling me about the incredible blessing of hearing back from a spiritual son who his life he impacted. And there they are there. I can't remember the whole story, but it's such a privilege. Fathers, some of you have been walking with Jesus 20 and 30 years. How many boys have you got under your wing here that you're meeting with on a weekly basis? I love the doc. He says to us, he stands up here and he said, well, the way to grow the kingdom is to make converts and then disciple them. And all of us are going, yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. That thing costs. That thing costs. Let me tell you. To disciple sons costs. Moms, to disciple daughters costs. I meet with these boys every week. I'm not a hero. I've just discovered I don't have much time left. And these guys come. I don't ask them. They are on the phone to me. Uncle Rob, can we come? Sure, boy. And everyone's different. Some of them are desperately needing just a dad. Others had a good dad. So what they're actually needing is something else. You meet them where they're at, but you pull them under your wing and you walk with them. What do you do? Bible study. Laugh. <laughs> I do laugh with them. Lots of it is in the Bible, but I do laugh. So how's your marriage, son? How's the stuff you're watching? What are you doing with your spare time? How are you treating your wife? What are your finances looking like? No, you don't need that fifth credit card that the bank offered you to max out. We're actually going to cut up the other four. 
Who's walking with him, people? If 60 or 70% of people are growing up without dads, whatever the figure is, who is just being a good dad to them, D? Where you're meeting with them and you're just helping them get through life. And it's tough sometimes because you don't always say the nice things. I said to my friend Roland the other day, how's it going? He said, no, I grew up. Some days I walk out here and I really, I'm working through stuff. I'm hurt and I'm offended. But you know what? He keeps coming back. (laughs) I had a particularly intense session with one of our boys, J.D. You all know J.D. Some of you know J.D. I had. And Bev sees him back at the school and he's walking around like a, like a lup, you know. She says, J.D., how are you doing? I'm naked. <laughs> I'm just naked. Why? Because sometimes you've got to get real with these young people. What does it look like, sir, to make a disciple? That's my challenge to you today. If Malachi says the hearts of the fathers will be turned back to the children and the children to the fathers, and if, if the good doctor comes up here and says, this is the way we plant church, we disciple, we disciple families, and when we've discipled families, who in turn are discipling families, who in turn are discipling families. When we get to 80, we plant a church. That is wonderful. So what does that look like? What does that look like? It looks like something. And you know what? When you sort out your papa issues, when you deal with that, I had to work out my relationship with my heavenly father because of the fact that I had issues with my earthly father. When I sorted those out, suddenly I came into a place of wholeness within myself. Not perfection, by the way. I didn't say perfection. I mean, I know you look at me and I look perfect, but that's just, that's just the way it is, eh? Hey, magnificent piece of masculinity standing right here in front of you. Hey, that's me, baby. No. <laughs> I know that because I've taken down every mirror in my house. <laughs> I didn't say perfection. I just said knowing who you are so that you in turn can start to take a bunch of young people under your wing and show them what a good dad looks like. Both spiritually because a lot of the people we're going to encounter are not going to have good dads. What does that look like? If you're sitting here today and right now inside is sore, It's sore. He's the God of redemption. He's the God of redemption. Can I pray for you? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Is that okay? Can they just stand where they are? If you right now have got saying, you think to yourself, you, it wasn't all my father's fault. It wasn't all my daddy's fault. And there are things that I'm still hurting. 
This is not embarrassing people, whether you are a man or a woman. And you struggle with some daddy issues. Why don't you ask? Why don't we just ask you to stand? Please. If you need me to pray, I want to pray for you. There is no shame. There is no shame. Is there somebody on the keyboard? Thanks. What I've discovered and found out is that the one who heals the, the purest, the one who does redemption 100%, that's Jesus. His response, he came in order that we might have our relationships restored with Heavenly Father. And you know, sir, I've been watching you. That thing comes right when we are able to look at our situation with our own dads and say, I forgive you. I, I, I release you because A, you probably didn't know better. And B, if you did, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to set you free. Some of the guys this week, they had to go back, they're going back to their own fathers even now who are still alive to say, I forgive you. Would you forgive me? I forgive you, would you forgive me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Spirit of God starts to take you on a journey, sir, where you can restore the relationship with your father again. Where you can put behind you the pain and the hurt and the anguish and say, Lord Jesus, help me. Because I want to be right with Papa again. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, would you minister now? Would you minister now? Would you touch? Would you heal every pain? I wish I could stand on their behalf and look at you and say, on their behalf, I'm sorry, my son, my daughter. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I wish I could do that, but I can't. But Holy Spirit, he knows. Because he was there. He was there. And when this restoration comes, when this healing comes, I want to tell you, family, your freedom comes. Your freedom comes. We have to forgive. We have to say sorry. We have to let go. I'm asking that today you make a choice. I'm going to let it go now. 
If you're standing around somebody who's standing up, why don't you just stretch out your hand to them? Just stretch out your hand. Let the love of Jesus come on them. Lord, that they would feel your love right now. For some of them, there's been a blockage because of this, and they haven't been able to feel your love. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Holy Spirit, let them know your love right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let him minister to you right now. He wants to restore and he wants to heal and he wants to refresh. He wants to give you back your confidence and your boldness again. He wants to tell you how much worth you've got. Because so often these relationships between fathers and children, they strip away our worth, our value. Many of us, we feel orphaned, man. We feel like we just don't belong. He's inviting you today and says, come back to me, come. Come, come, come. I speak your healing over them now, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you are able, I'm going to ask you just to open your hands to him, please. Just yield your spirit to him now and open your hands to him, please, if you are able. And receive. You see, because your heavenly father is good. He's perfect in every way. He's astoundingly loving. His affection, his embrace, his spiritual hugs are something to behold. Why don't you let him do that to you right now? Some of you are feeling the Spirit even now. Just literally hold you and say to you, it's going to be okay, you know. It's going to be okay. 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 I've got you, son. I've got you, daughter. I've got you. I'm watching you. I've given my angels charge over you. I've got you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.